Hello and welcome to this episode of Gin and Tonic, where we talk about all things gaming, tabletop gaming related. Like us, love us, rate us, review us. Now, before we go too far into this, and some people become keyboard warriors down below without listening, D&D was developed around European, um, European fantasy for the most part. It wasn't until later that other influences were brought in and have really made the world really neat. Like, I'm kind of disappointed that most of our most of the D&D that we've gotten for 5th edition has taken place in the Forgotten Realms and not in uh, not in the deserts to the, what is it, to the east in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, was that Zakara? I could be wrong. Correct me down below if I'm wrong. But it I So there's, there's those influences that were there, but D&D 5th Edition launched in 2014. We've just gotten a whole bunch of announcements. We'll look into those and talk about them on a later episode. But I have purchased two cubes of the little four packs. The, shoot, what are they called? It's the one where you get four miniatures in it, one big and three small. I picked up uh, the Dungeons and Dragons one when I got into the game around 2015. I picked up the Paizo one for um, I picked up the Paizo set recent or about a year and a half ago. Again, buying a cube of 12 of those boxes. That's a lot of minis. And it wasn't. It, it was an obscene amount of minis. My top shelf has 231 minis. Um, that's just the top shelf. I have a problem. I mean, I'm not a dice goblin. I'm a mini goblin. <laughs> a mini goblin. <laughs> Seriously, I might have a thousand miniatures in, in my barristers. Cabinet. That's pretty awesome. It, it. I promised the wife it would not expand past the barrister's cabinet, so I'm working out ways to make storage in the barrister's cabinet. Mm, add more shelves. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a couple half shelves going in right now. Nice. But back to the topic. Yeah. I was looking over all of my miniatures, especially the pre-painted ones, and I noticed that when you looked at the elves and the dwarves and the gnomes and the humans, they're all very Caucasian. Yeah. In in both sets, I in in the original D and D set that I got, I got one uh, one man who appears to be of African descent. And in the Paizo one, I got three copies of this one female dwarf warrior who is also African. But looking over the rest of them, I didn't see a lot of anything else. And then I started looking at my own painted miniatures and realized that there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in them. And that's probably those European fantasy uh, influences that we've had over the years. Luckily, and... we've got a lot of influences now from all over the world. And hopefully, maybe we'll see some change in that. That would be nice. Um, I've actually started painting 
just adding different looks to different people. Like I stumbled across this one elf uh, figurine and I just, I looked at his high cheekbones and you can't see his ears because he's got this long hair that goes behind him. I just thought, you know, if I gave him a slightly, you know, if I painted him with dark hair and a darker skin tone and I just started painting it up and it's, oh, it worked really well. So, and I think it's, it really is more represent, representative of what is in the game. Because if you look inside of the, uh, the player's handbook into the, the race human, there are over a dozen suggestions of different peoples that exist in the Forgotten Realms. And there is one city that is from a real world. The citizens are from our world, from Egypt. They were brought there by the Beholder to be... No, mind players? Can't remember. They were enslaved, and then there was a whole thing. Um, there are better YouTube sages out there who can tell you that story. I believe uh, Jordan... Uh, Jordan, the PH is silent. We'll cover that one for you just fine. Um, but yeah, we've got these different groups from different places, and the elves have uh, different cultures, not just counting the drow, but high elves and... Uh... And then the wood elves and everything. Like, they're all but different. Most of my... Yep, but most of my pre-painted elves all have the elf tone skin color on them. Yeah. And I always imagine the high elves to be, yeah, a little more fair skin, but still with a golden hue. So even then, in my mind, they're never as white as, say, I am. Although I'm kind of pink. I don't know. I'm an odd color. So yeah, it was just, it was something that kind of stumbled across my brain. Why. And then if you really want to expand on that, if it affects the humanoid races, why wouldn't, when you're painting a horde of goblins, paint them a bunch of different shades of green? Because maybe there's a tribe from the north that they are, you know, a forest green color where the plains goblins are like a sickly yellow color. Yeah. And when I played a goblin, I did a little bit of research on goblins, and apparently they can have, like an orangey color skin dome yet too yep. so and why are they always I mean, that same shade of pea green soup <laughs> yeah or in the case of the D&D goblins they have the like skin that looks like they've got jaundice oh yeah it's the paizo goblins that are at least cute and green in a horrifying <laughs> Yeah. I love them. Pies will make great goblins. But I had the realization when I was looking through the minis I'd painted that, I mean, maybe I was painting to match my player group that is mostly Caucasian, but yeah, they were all painted white. It's like, God damn it. How did I do this? <laughs> For me, I hesitate a lot on... Uh not wanting to be insulting of anyone with a different skin tone than mine. Whereas like if I, if I paint a white person and they look like a freaking ghost, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm white ghost, whatever. 
Whereas if I want to paint someone with brown tones in their skin, I don't feel confident enough in my painting skill personally to really bring that skin tone to life. Painting skin is hard <laughs> for me. Skin, skin, skin is hard and it takes, it takes time. And I am by no means, you know, going to win a crystal brush anytime soon. Hats off to those people, because. Oh, I have seen some amazing, amazing artists working with different skin tones, and it's beautiful. I just. I'm gonna have, have to talent. send. Uh, I'm gonna have to send you uh, Professor Dungeon Master's speed painting videos, Megan. Yeah. He goes like he does him and. Uh, Adhesive Tom painted 74 miniatures in a weekend. Oh, wow. Yes, I said, yes, I said Adhesive Tom. No, <laughs> I can't tell you anything about him. Seriously, <laughs> I've heard his voice and seen his hands. Adhesive Tom has never been on, on that show. But his speed painting videos where he goes over how to, to paint up a whole thing in an hour or two. Oh, that's great. It's, it's a really been time-saving for me to watch speed painting and then slow it the hell down. <laughs> yeah. I'm also notorious for painting things rainbow. I went and bought four new tubs of paint so that I could make the one dragon miniature, the huge dragon miniature I have, have every single color I can get my friggin' hands on. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. It's also been painstakingly slow to paint in scale by scale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be, yeah, <laughs> that would be time consuming. My father-in-law took me to the second-hand store because they had a bunch of lead D&D characters from, like, the 1970s. They have dates on the feet. Oh my gosh. I have to repaint some of them because the exposed lead is kind of poison. <laughs> Just a little. But that's really but... cool. That's a serious piece of... The tabletop gaming history. And I have dudes that sit on horses. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> and, you know, I went to pay for them and he pulled out his wallet and paid for them. It was only like seven or eight bucks, but now I had these miniatures that he had given. That some of them have been quite useful. One of them was an NPC in my longest running campaign. Very cool. So just, like, I've got the uh, the elf that I'm painting as a more indigenous-inspired individual presently has a brightly colored cloak and magic coming out of his hand. That's going to look really cool when done. Yep, I'm just, I'm painting him how I would paint up any wizard. This, I'm going to put some eccentric colors on their clothes because that's what I do. And then I'm just going to paint him up. Like, yeah, that's, the, that's what he rolled out of bed and decided to wear. And yeah. now he's trying to kill you with magic. I like to imagine wizards in brightly colored clothes and stuff like that. Because wizards, um, they've spent their life studying books to learn how to use this magic. I doubt they're following like what's cool in fashion. They are pulling on the comfy clothes and getting down to it. Yes, I could definitely see that with, for the comfort level. I could also see it being a warning. Like, yes, I'm a tiny geek sitting here reading a book, 
but I can literally light you on fire from the other side of the room. Yes. Yeah. There's a word for that. What's that called in nature when the animals and stuff are brightly colored to warn off predators? Oh, reverse camouflage. Mm. We'll have to look that up later. But yeah, someone should tell us. I know, I yeah, know, I know the should. word, but it's escaping me at the moment. So if you, you know, you have a knight and you look at the facial features and think they could, they would work well for someone of a different ethnicity, give them some bronze skin. Why not? Especially if you have a large city that your game is playing in, you're going to have several different cultures that have all come together. And if all your guards are, you know, uniform and the same, they get to be like cardboard cutout number seven. Mm -hmm. So is the point of this rant that people are rainbows and so bring the rainbow into your game? Exactly. <laughs> I hope that's not offensive in some way to call people rainbows, because I think they are. I mean, people are people, and we should all just try and get along. Yeah. We're all people. Also, eat the rich. Ah, that too. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for tuning in this episode of Gin and Tonic. I hope our random ramblings were at least entertaining and thought-provoking. Let us know if you have found great colored representation in miniatures somewhere. Uh, drop us a link. Give us a give us something to look at. Share it with the world. Yeah, I'd love to see some some stuff. Maybe somebody's got an old game that they they have kicking around that they can show us. Yeah, or maybe or there's something... a smaller a company that makes miniatures that we just don't know of yet up here in our isolated Canadian land. Yeah, eh? It hasn't gone, it hasn't come up the uh, the maple syrup river yet from the states, eh? <laughs> hasn't made it to our igloos without Wi-Fi. Or maybe the oh, polar don't go bear ate the Oh, not again. I liked Greg. <laughs>